Man, that's a lot of kids. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, I just see that the Lord is trusting into your hands to shape the lives of uh, a bunch of his precious little ones, and that's really a good thing. Well, today's the 17th, so you know I have this habit. We've got to make a pass through Proverbs before we start the sermon. So today being the 17th, I picked uh, Proverbs 17.3. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. The Lord tests the hearts. That's a good one. Today is our last, it's the final message in a series, a short series we've been doing about the prophet Elisha, and I'm kind of calling this one Finding Your Edge, Finding Your Edge. Before we dive in, I just wonder how many of you, kind of like me, you, every once in a while, you um, look for things that you have somehow misplaced, and you get frustrated, maybe discombobulated a little bit, you know, it's like... Have you ever lost anything and you have to get frustrated? I'm the only guy that ever loses anything. Okay. Okay. So, um, I mean, I get completely and totally crazy. You probably can ask Lisa. She'll, um, she gets kind of calm and gets this funny smirk on her face. Like, like uh, you know, I mean, I, I do things like I lose my sunglasses and they're on my head and I'm looking for them and I've lost my car keys and I've had them in my mouth. And... Um, <laughs> You know, our family is, my family does a lot of sarcasm. I don't know what that means about us, but, you know, it's like, where do you put the ice cream when we got home? Oh, it's in the oven, honey. You know, that kind of stuff. And um, things, things I can't find that are right in plain sight where they're supposed to be, and Lisa will see me get frustrated, and off she'll go, and she'll come back and say, here you go, honey, and she, you know, she's very gracious about it, but she can find things. I can't find something, and it's right where it, you know, it's right in front of me. Does that happen to anybody else here? Is it guys? Is that a guy? Oh, it's a, it's a women thing too? Okay, well, uh, today I want to talk to you about um, losing something a little bit different, losing something else, because I think there's a good chance that many of you who are Christians, maybe at some point, and maybe you have lost something that's actually spiritual in nature. Some of you maybe have lost at some time in your life a passion for God, or, or you've lost the things of God that you used to have but you don't have them today. Some of you have lost some joy. You know, there used to be this deep, settled commitment and peace that you carried with you, and it's just not there today. And somehow along the way, you've lost. And you're not quite sure how you've lost it. You know, some of you, one time, you had a great faith, and, and you, you prayed, and you prayed, and, and you believed God for great, big, huge things, and... Um, Somewhere along the way, you've even had a hope in a God who was good and who, who, who you, you hope that, the, that God would be who he says he is, and that is to think good things about your tomorrows, and you've lost that. And today, you're not praying too awfully much. In fact, maybe you're not even sure what you believe about some of this stuff, and you've lost something spiritual along the way, and you didn't mean to, but you lost it. And, and we look at the uh, prophet here, Elisha, and I want to just kind of re- remind you where we've been over the last few weeks. The first week we were talking about burning plows. doesn't make sense just to say it that way, but I'm not going to take time. Week two, we were digging ditches. The third week, we were gathering jars. And today we're going to look at one of the, I think, one of the oddest miracles in the Bible. Um, and uh, if you look through the miracles that Elisha performed, he performed some pretty, pretty, pretty big whoppers. I mean, there, there was a time when there was a poisoned water source. He healed it. The scripture uses the word healed it. And that made a difference for a local community. It made their economy work again. It was a pretty major deal for them. He raised a boy from the dead. 
That'd be pretty cool. He, he uh, provided for a widow um, and her sons, and we talked about that one recently, and, and she was going to lose her two sons after having lost her husband. Pretty big deal. He healed Naaman of leprosy. You can read about that in 2 Kings 5. And another really cool one was he blinded an entire army. You read about that one in, in uh, 2 Kings 6. I mean, I love that story. I probably shouldn't take the time on it, but it's kind of a pretty cool story. I mean, he, he's, he, he, the king of Syria decides to make war against Israel, and it seems like everywhere he goes, the Israeli army has got him figured out, and they're waiting for him, and he gets frustrated. He says, what is the deal? How do they know that? And one of his commanders, if somebody says, hey, they got a guy who hears from the Spirit of God, and he knows where you're going to be and when you're going to be there. Oh, what's his name? Um, let's go get him. He's in Dothan, a town called Dothan. So they, he, he takes off after him. And, and that's where Elisha is. And uh, Elisha wakes up in the morning, and, and he's got a helper with him. And the helper looks out, and they, he sees that the army is surrounded. He's surrounded by this army, and they think, uh-oh, we're dead ducks. And um, first thing Elisha does, he, he says, hey, Lord, show him. And so then this assistant looks out, and he sees all this host of heavenly, you know, bad dudes. I mean, the good kind of bad. The good kind of bad. And, and he says, show them. And then, and, and, and then the, he, they're afraid that the, the army's going to get them. And what Elisha does is he says, God, blind them. And he blinds this entire Syrian army. Now, that's a pretty major miracle. All of them go blind. And then he goes and he talks to them. And now I'm going to paraphrase. I love, here's why I love this story, because it reminds me of some, another story you might have heard. He goes up to these blind, this whole blind army, and he says the equivalent of this. These aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> he does. Look it up. <laughs> and he, he leads them to Samaria. It's a cool story. And then he has their eyes open back up. But that's basically what it wasn't a Jedi mind trick. It's a genuine miracle. They all go blind, and under the Lord's timing, it all comes back. Pretty cool things that he does. But in this, today, we're talking about a, just a, an odd, an odd miracle. There was this seminary student who was chopping down a tree, and he was using a borrowed axe head that was made of iron. And as he was chopping, the axe head flew off the stick, goes out in the lake, in the river, and down it goes to the bottom. Gone. And <laughs> Elisha, this man of God, takes a stick, wings it into the water. I'm not sure how that relates, but the axe head floats. This iron axe head floats. Wow! I mean, that's pretty cool. It's cool, but what's the significance? I mean, beyond the fact, I mean, that's a pretty cool deal. And I'm going to just give you a couple of uh, background facts that are kind of significant to me, I suppose, and then we'll dive into the story. Iron was very, very valuable at this point. This is at the somewhere a couple hundred years into the Iron Age. I mean, they just had passed out of the Bronze Age at this point, and so iron was fairly rare, very difficult to make because it had to be smelted at high temperatures, and, and they were just figuring this out, and the Middle East was, or the Near East was where iron was first being developed, and uh, so it was a very, very precious commodity, very rare, very expensive, and um, it's gone down. Now, this young prophet, who's, who's, he's a prophet in training, 
And he was very likely a poor, he was probably very poor, like most college students. You know, he's, he's, um, he's a college student, he's living on student loans, a loaned axe head, and he's probably eating a lot of top ramen. And he borrows this axe head, he lost it, he doesn't have any money to pay for it, and he's in trouble. In their culture, that's a pretty big deal. Then the man of God brings this axe head back, which shows us something very clear, and that is that our big God actually cares about the little details of things going on in our lives. And that's, I don't know about you, but that's pretty comforting to me. No matter what you're going through, if you have a headache, God cares. If, if you've got a chemistry test this week and you're sweating it, God cares. If your car won't start up again, God cares. You know, if you're talking on your cell phone, but you can't find your cell phone and you're frustrated... God's laughing, but he cares. I mean, he cares about the little things that are going on in our lives. And um, so the context for this is here we've got Elisha. Elisha was mentored by Elijah. And now the next generation is going on. Elisha is now mentoring the next generation of prophets. And all these young people, these young men, want to study under him. So he builds this school of prophets. And there were so many of them that they actually outgrew their school. So where we'll pick up, that's where we'll pick up the story in 2 Kings 6, starting in verse 1, which reads, okay, so here we go. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let's knock out some walls and expand our sanctuary. That's what's going on here. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, okay, go, let's go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. Now here's where the action starts. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Okay, here's a quote. Oh no! You know the little guy says, he's my lord. Oh no, my lord. Notice he didn't say a bad word, okay? <laughs> Even though it had to do with plumbing, water's involved. He cried out, it was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? Then he showed him the place. Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and he took it. Now, besides God caring about the little details, there's one major point that we're going to come back to again and again today, and that's this. God knows how to help you find the things that you didn't mean to lose. Those of you who have lost something spiritual... Remember, we serve a God who is totally into restoration. Our good God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. And as we talk about you know, losing this axe head, about losing the edge here, we can kind of see a metaphor developing about how this applies to our spiritual life. The big question I want to start with asking you is this. How? How have you lost your spiritual edge? So I'm asking Christians now, to be real honest with yourselves and answer that question. How have you lost your spiritual edge? Some, some of you might say, well, I really, you know, I really haven't. I'm doing great. And if that's you, I celebrate that with you, and I praise God for the, that, that. Thanks. I thank God for that. Keep doing whatever you've been doing to keep your Christian passion burning at a high level. That's good. But it's my guess that many followers of the Lord, many of us, might honestly say, there was another time in my life when... I was maybe a little bit more into the things of God than I am today. So I just 
ask you to acknowledge that if it's true and answer the question to yourself, how did I lose my spiritual edge? Some of you might recognize there was a time when you had other committed Christians regularly around you and those people helped build you up and they prayed for you and they encouraged you and in things that mattered most in life. But now you look around and you have some friends that are kind of Christians, but they're not really building you up in the faith and um, they're just not building you up in the things and maybe you've lost your edge because of that. Some of you, there was a time when you served in church and you had the thrill of being used by the Lord, of, of seeing his, him do some majestic things and you got to be a part of it and, and, and it was fulfilling and sometimes it was hard and then yet somehow you got a little bit busy and so you stopped doing that and you never got back to it. You never quite got back to it. And now you're missing what it's like to be used by God because maybe more than it should be, life is a little bit too much about you. And some of you, there maybe well, there was a time when you had a little bit more passion for prayer. Maybe, maybe you even got up early regularly and you prayed for other people and now you do pray over a meal every now and then or um, if there's a big thing. But the truth is you haven't really prayed in a significant way in a very long time. Maybe, maybe some of you, at a point in your life, you really liked to share your faith with people who didn't know God. I mean, you had this great big love for people who were outside of the faith. And something happened along the way, and even though you used to really try to help people who were without Christ, you can't really remember the last spiritual conversation you had with someone who wasn't a Christian. And maybe if some of you, if you're really honest, you'd say, I kind of have let my standards slip a little bit. I mean, years ago, I had a strong list of values, and, and I thought, you know, hey, I'm not going to do that thing because I'm just not sure it pleases Jesus, or I'm not going to act that way, and, and then something happened. Maybe you got some, you know, a new set of friends who said, come on, it's not that big a deal, and you said, okay, just this once, and, and then before long, you find yourself cutting some corners and taking some shortcuts and doing some things you regret, and now you wonder, how did I get way over here? How did I get way over here? Look up where I ended. How have you lost your spiritual edge? And the reality is, it can happen to any one of us. Because we have a spiritual enemy who has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he wants you to lose your spiritual edge. I'll I, I tell you how this has happened in my life. It's happened more than once. And this, this time I'm going to tell you, it happened a long time ago. I mean, when I got saved and I met the grace of God, it, it just transformed my life. And, and I mean, before that time... Put your fingers in your ears, Mom. Um, I was kind of like a party guy, you know, the cool guy in high school. Some of you are going, yeah, I can picture that. I suppose, yeah, okay, it's, it's the truth. I mean, and I've told you some stories. I got, I got radically changed. In fact, I ended up saying to the guy, to my best man, I'm not going to come to my bachelor party because I'm not going to be the reason for the next big kegger, which is what happened, and I didn't go, and they did. They had a big kegger. Hey, hooray to Terry. And okay, nothing, I'm not, I don't want to go out and get off on the keg topic, but I'm just saying... I went radically, I made a, a hard left turn, a right turn, a big turn when I got saved. And at church, I got really involved. I mean, I was serving in Sunday school class. I was a Royal Rangers leader. And there was no young marrieds in our church. So Lisa and I said, hey, we need a young marriage deal. So we kind of started it and um, recruited some other people. And for us, we did what we knew how to do, which was have a lot of parties without the kegs. And, um, and God gave us someone to teach us and lead us. And, and, and um, I mean... I spent 
I spent, the typical day for me was to spend a couple of hours a day listening to Bible teachings and at least an hour a day actually reading about, I mean, I don't know how I got anything else done. I was listening to teachers, I'm reading the Bible. I mean, I'm really going. And then one day I got to be a pastor, which was a pretty big deal to me because I loved being around the things of God. And I knew that if I became a pastor that I'd be able to go in my office and watch my Bible hover above my desk. (laughs) And that was before I realized, you know, that what I had been called to was a very, very difficult job. And being in the ministry is, you know, it has a way of grinding you into powder. It can do that. And it was hard. And there's this leader, this guy named Bill Hybels, who pastors a great big, huge church, and a lot of people have heard of him, but he, he made this statement, and it, it's, it, says, it says so true about what was going on. The way I was doing the work of God destroyed the work of God in me. That's exactly what happened to me. And I realized this, this, there was this time where um, I went in front of the church to pray. I consider that holy ground, you know. <laughs> I just, I just, I went, I, I, I looked back at this, this time and I remember going up there to pray and in the middle of the prayer, I realized I hadn't prayed personally to God all week long. I was praying publicly, but not privately. I mean, I was spending so much time in the ministry, in the church, there were, there were nights you know, that was, this was at a time where there was stuff going on and I was literally staying there and doing ministry things until two or three in the morning, many days during the week. And, and I loved it. But it was all a duty that I was doing. There was no real personal devotion. In the middle of that season, God showed me very clearly what had happened. I had become a full-time pastor and a part-time follower of Jesus. And I think the reason that it's so quiet in here right now is because some of you can identify with what I'm talking about. You know, maybe you've become a full-time parent and a part-time follower of Christ or a full-time business person and a part-time follower of Jesus or a full-time student and a part-time follower of Jesus. You didn't mean to lose your edge, but you did. You didn't mean to stop praying with your spouse, but you did. You didn't mean to fall back into those old patterns and kind of start doing that addictive behavior again, but you did. You didn't mean to drift away from the love and the intimacy and the closeness that you had with God. It's somehow you wake up maybe even depressed and empty and hollow a little bit on the inside. You didn't mean to end up pursuing material possessions instead of the things of the Lord, but if you're honest and you realize it, that's maybe exactly what you did. You didn't mean to become a part-time follower of Christ, but that's what happened. You lost your spiritual edge. What do you do when you're swinging away and the edge flies off? How do you get your edge back? And we look at Elisha and this young prophet and we find a couple of lessons, I think, to help us get our edge back. The first one that I want to share with you is this. Be honest about where you lost it. Be honest about where you lost your edge. 2 Kings 6.6. The man of God asked this. He said, where did it fall? In other words, the axe head isn't gone. It's still there. Where is it? Where did it fall? Did you catch that? He lost the axe head. It was still there somewhere. Where was it? And maybe if you look back, you can say to yourself, um, yeah, I kind of remember taking a turn. And I mean, I, maybe I had some friends, maybe the wrong friends. Maybe, maybe I started dating the wrong guy. 
Maybe you just kind of started dropping some of the discipline. You used to pray and you stopped or you used to be devoted. You were searching out the things of God in his word and then you stopped or you used to be a tither and then you kind of got behind and you just stopped. You, you used to do the things of God, but then you just stopped. You used to allow other people to speak into your life, but then you stopped. You thought that your secret wouldn't hurt anybody but then you realize it wasn't really a secret because God knows it and it was really hurting you. Some of you, maybe you got hurt by somebody. Maybe it was somebody in the church. Maybe it was a pastor or some other Christian. And you thought, hey, if they're going to act that way, I just forget it. I don't need to do this. And then you allowed your heart to become a little bit hard. Maybe even you blamed God for what somebody else did. Be honest about where you lost it. Be honest about where you lost it. The second thing, I think the the text teaches us is this. With God's help, take back what you lost. With God's help, take back what you lost. Because our God specializes in helping you find what you didn't mean to lose. 2 Kings 6 uh, 6 and 7. And here we see it. uh, Verse 6. When he showed him the place, where'd you lose the axe head? Showed him. Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. (laughs) Then he said, lift it out. So, Turn to somebody next to you and say, lift it out. Don't you hate it when a pastor does that? Don't you feel silly? Now turn to somebody else and say, with a smile, lift it out. <laughs> I hate it when you do that, Terry. Get over it. I'm done now. It's okay. We both get past that moment. <laughs> then the man reached out with his hand and he took it. With God's help, lift it out. Take it back. With God's help, take back what you've lost. You know, um, Looking back a couple of weeks, we were studying ditches. You know, only God can send the water, but he wants you to dig the ditch. Remember we talked about that last week, or the week before, only God can multiply the oil, but he wants you to gather the jars. This week, only God can make the axe head float, but he wants you to lift it out. He wants you to take back what was lost as he brings it within your reach, and he will. Now, I want to warn you about something. The minute you start to get ready to do that, there's going to be a voice somewhere in the back recesses of your mind that starts talking to you, and it's going to say something like, oh, no, 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 you can't get that back again. It's been too long. You've gone too far. You've done too much. You can never have that back. After all you've done, you've now lost the best of what you ever could have been. That's what that voice is going to say to you. But I came for, for somebody here. I came today planning to say this. Somebody here, probably many people here, and that's this. With God, with God, it's not too late to be the person that you were supposed to be. It's not too late to be the person that you could have been. It's not too late to get back what you thought you could never have again. It's not too late to have what you used to have, or even more, with the power of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit. You haven't gone too far You haven't done too much because our God specializes in helping you find what you never meant to lose. So what's he want you to do? He's going to bring it within reach. Your part is to lift it out. You just got to grab it back, go after it and get it. So here's what you do. You do what you can do and you leave what God can do to him. What you can't do, you trust to him. You do what you can do and you trust God to do what you cannot do. Can you make an axe head float? Probably most of you can't. I can't. So no. But you can lift it out when he brings it up. 
that you can do. Can you create some new spiritual you know, passion and faith? I don't think so. But we know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10. So you put yourself like you're doing today. Way to go. Put yourself in a place where the word of God is poured out, and you, you can collect it and let the Lord build faith in you. You can't create spiritual passion and faith, but you can get faith by hearing the word of God. You know God hears and answers prayers, so you can choose to pray even when you don't feel like it. You can choose to worship even when you don't feel like it. You can choose to share your faith with other people even when you don't feel like you have the answers. And you can search for God again because he promises this. He says, he says in Jeremiah 29, if you seek him, you'll find him. You realize that? That's a promise from God, Jeremiah 29, 13. If you seek him, you're going to find him. Take back what's available to you. I love what Revelation um, 2, verses 4 and 5, this is Jesus speaking, and he's talking to a church full of people um, who are where some of us are today on this topic. And here's what Jesus says. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. In other words, say you're sorry. Turn back. He's saying, come home. Turn from your sin. Turn from your apathy. Turn from your complacency. He says, do the things you did at first. If you want what you once had, do what you first did. That's what Jesus is saying here. And when he causes it to float, you reach out and lift it out. You do what you can do, and you trust him to do what you cannot. You know, when I, I, I look back at that time in my life, I was so passionate for the things of God, and I never thought it would ever go away. And guess where it went away? When I was serving in the church. <laughs> There's no insulation from this. Only diligence, I think, sometimes. When externally everything looked good. You know, here I am, this pastor, praying. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I don't, I don't want to overstate this or understate this. But it looked like everything was good. And I was serving him in the church. Internally, though, it wasn't once what it had been once earlier in my life. So what did I do? After recognizing it, I went back and did what I once did. I mean, I recommitted to the things that, that brought the passion, the things that brought the life, the things that brought faith to me. I, I, and let me tell you what God did. When I reached out, he brought the edge within grabbing distance. He did. Because he specializes in helping us get back what we didn't mean to lose. And I don't know how this will apply to you, but God wants to help you get back what you didn't mean to lose. You do what you can do, and you trust God to do what you cannot. Our God is a God of restoration. Our God is a God of restoration. Joel 2.25, he will restore the years that the locust has eaten. You feel like the locust has chewed away at your life some? God says he'll restore that to you. Proverbs 6.31 says, when the enemy steals something, he has to pay it back seven times. The enemy steal your faith? It's time to clear the accounts. He's got to give it back. It's got to come back seven times as much as you used to have. That's what the word promises. Some of you feel like you've been robbed by the enemy, and your attitude is, okay, you're paying it back, but it's going to be seven times of interest, and I'm going to come back seven times hotter than I used to be. Because our God specializes in bringing back what you didn't mean to lose. There's this uh, scripture in 
Genesis. I call it the 50, probably heard, probably other people call it the Genesis 50-20 rule. What the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. I don't know where you are, and I don't know necessarily how you're hurting or how you've drifted, but our God wants you to know today that you have not gone too far. You can be the person that you were meant to be because our God specializes in helping people find what they didn't mean to lose. Deuteronomy 30 is a wonderful, promising scripture. I'm going to read this over you, and then we're going to pray. God, your God, will restore everything you lost. He will have compassion on you. He will come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you were scattered. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there and bring you back to the land your ancestors once possessed. It will be yours again. He will give you a good life and make you more numerous than your ancestors. How does he do all that? Because he's a God who specializes in helping people find things that they never meant to lose. When he makes the axe head float, reach out and grab it. Let's pray. God, I pray.